Welcome to Breaking Big, where we interview people about their careers in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Aaron Newmeyer. Everyone here at Thunder Tally Media is so excited to announce that we are being featured on the Hoo Ha Ha app under the Podcast We Love section. They are on a mission to spotlight and support women in comedy. One of the ways they do that is by amplifying women's voices, like this podcast. If you haven't already, go check out the hoohaha.com website. There's so much great content there. That's where you'll find my podcast and all the other shows featured under the Podcast We Love section. And now I'd like to welcome you to Breaking Big. Hi there. Welcome to Breaking Big, everyone. Today we have Christina Nava on the show. I'm so excited. Just a little bit about Christina. She began her career as a screenwriter and produces movies with her husband. Their first production company, Migrant Film Works, seeks to create stories with universal themes that elevate Latinx in front and behind the camera. Her award-winning romantic comedy, in other words, stars Chris Kattan, Eddie Ganem, Brian McClure, and it was released in February of 2021. And she's also got a film called Divorce Bait, her most recent rom-com, which she co-wrote and produced, and it stars Vanessa Vasquez and Justin Birdie. It's screened in Los Angeles. It will be released soon. And she's also directed the feature film Free Lunch, which is in post-production. So she's a songwriter, a playwright, a teacher, an actor, and a children's musical theater director. Christina is also a member of the Writers Guild, Women in Media, and SAG-AFTRA. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks, Erin. Thanks for having me. I love your intro. I'm so, I'm so impressed. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're really excited to be on the Hoo Ha Ha app. I don't know if you've uh, been over there to check them out, but they've got some really great content on their site. Oh, I can't wait. But we are here to talk about you. You do so many things. I know um, you're a native to Los Angeles, uh, born and raised, I believe. Yeah, born and raised. And I've gone other places to live briefly, but I always come back to SoCal. It's the weather. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love it here as well. So since you sort of grew up in, you know, Hollywood, did you always want to write screenplays? And like, when did you start? Well, I think, um, so my parents, they immigrated to Los Angeles and I was born here. Honestly, I assimilated through watching sitcoms. And back then it was like um, uh, Three's Company. I think it'd been, it would have been reruns of them. Um, the Bill Cosby show, Family Ties. Oh, and then when Denise went off to uh, college from the Doc Cosby show, the character, um, I can't remember the show. Uh, Living, no, that Living Single was another one. So all of these shows I really assimilated through. And I, um, but I, and I always wanted to be a writer. I was an avid reader. And so, um, but my father told me that, don't make money as a writer. So I kind of pushed that dream aside. So I think that in in high school, the last semester of my senior year, I was in theater and I got the acting bug. And then acting led to me writing plays with my friends. And then I, um, I was, I had a huge supportive community here in Los Angeles with, within the Latino community. And I began to hang out with a bunch of groups. I used to go to NALIP, the National Association for Latino Producers. And with that, I transitioned from theater and uh, my aspirations to writing for theater or acting to 
acting for film and television. So I made a conscious choice in 2006. And that's how I kind of began to try to find an agent, take headshots, the whole thing. Yeah, there's each piece that you talked about has so many like steps you have to kind of, you know, follow or hoops you have to jump through to like get started, you know. Um, but that that's all very like really exciting. So what about, um, you know, writing? Like when was the first, uh, what's the first film you wrote? Did you start out writing features or shorts or? So the first movie I guess I wrote would have been the short film called Stockholm. And that was with my then boyfriend, now husband, Patrick Perez in 2007. I had written a short film and he used it as his thesis film. And then we um, wrote, uh, we wrote a grant and got the grant of $10,000. And so we shot the feature, uh, not feature, the short film, uh, Stockholm. Um, I believe the DP back then, excuse me, was Khalil Hudson. And um, that was the first time I, I had ever produced anything. And so he really walked me through it. He gave me all like the things that his um, teachers gave him because he actually was in, in um, film school when I met him. He was finishing the last his last year at UCLA, um, getting his MFA. And so uh, I really I, I had been teaching for a while, substitute teaching. And so I think I have that organizational those organizational skills necessary. And so I helped him. I learned a lot. And we didn't kill each other, so we decided to get married, uh, <laughs> and and we have a um, a production company now together. And so we it, it's been over over a decade. So now going on fifteen years of of uh, co parenting and co producing movies. Um, congratulations! I actually wanted to talk about that because I think that's so fascinating. Um, First of all, um, I didn't realize you guys had met when he was in film school. That's just so cute. That like that's a you should write that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, running a production company like with your husband and um, you know working together all the time. Um, I like how like how does that work? And also, I wanted to ask you also about the the name of that first production company where you got the idea. So just tell me like um, you know how do you balance that family and like the workload? especially during production? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, I think the really great thing is that, um, I don't know, I can't remember the name of the actress. She made a comment, the one who sang, she won an Emmy and she sang, I am a woman and I can't remember her name, but she said, you know, that she had her husband in her corner. And I think that that was, um, that's been the success that we have each other's back and we, we, we work together. Now, mind you, uh, working when we're in production, we're like around each other a lot. And um, it's not always easy. But at the end of the day, like, you know, marriage is for us something that is permanent. And so there's never going to be an argument that like is going to be a deal breaker, you know. But and um, and also it's just really we've been supporting each other's dreams. We built this from scratch and um and we both have learned a lot along the way and um we learned a lot from our first movie lola's love shack that we made for forty eight thousand dollars and that's on amazon um then we learned a lot from in other words um which was you know that was also super low budge 
And then after 15 years, we sort of find ourselves um, really knowing uh, how to make an independent, low-budget feature film and making it look high quality. And we both kind of learned that and we both developed our mission statements for our company and the reason we do things and the reason that we take projects on. And so um, it obviously didn't happen overnight. It happened. Um, we both came in through like the back door of Hollywood, even though we've lived here most of our lives. And that's really the back door is like having to do it ourselves, you know, and learning and making mistakes um, and 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 getting a few goals in there too, getting a few wins. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've uh, had the pleasure of working with you guys and uh, you really are an incredible team. You know, like it can be really stressful when you're in the midst of a production and yet somehow you guys kind of, you know, you delegate, you like table any problems until later and you just focus on the, you know, fixing whatever. Because I mean, you know, whenever you're making a film, something's always happening. Somebody's late, uh, you know, uh, there's not the key to the location isn't there, you know, like whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um so it sounds like uh, you guys have figured out a really great way to work together and you've fallen more into the like producer role and, and some of the projects. And I'm wondering, what do you like most about producing? Um, so I came out producing because I had to, right? Um, no one was going to give me an opera. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say no one's getting it. I took the opportunities and when I was starting, it was very difficult to break in, even when, um, when we were trying to find an agent, you know, it was, uh, or manager, anyone who would take us on and believe in us or just believe in me. Like I was trying to do it as a writer by myself. So I produced because we, we had to, if we wanted to put our voice out there, then we, we did it this way. Um, and so I like, I like producing, because um, I, I, I like making magic <laughs> and I love, I love writing as well. And I love just putting it all together. And one of my favorite things is the teamwork aspect of it. And um, I don't know everything. And so you hire or collaborate, uh, you barter and you bring on people who are better than you. And any, if there's anything that I don't know, it's not like I'm not shying away from it. I bring on somebody who knows more than I do. And also within the indie route, I'm not afraid to bring in people who, like, for example, like uh, in this particular project, we're in San Antonio, we're having, we're having a little bit of an issue finding an accountant because of our budget, because uh, they're in Austin, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I brought in a friend of mine who's has about 20 years as a, uh, experience as an accountant and I'm not afraid to work with them because I know they're going to do a fabulous job. And, and, uh, that's kind of how we've worked, um, in Gray's Anatomy, they always say we're a teaching hospital. And I feel like this is a teaching production company, <laughs> you know, like we're professionals. And then we reach out to the colleges and we collaborate because you just have to think out of the box when you're doing an indie film. Yeah, that's great. I actually did notice on the last couple of projects, you did bring in folks from like um, one of the one of the nearby colleges. Biola. Yeah, mm -hmm. Biola. And um, they helped with everything from, you know, being like production assistants to like, you know, helping Set with things. the COVID, you know, like 
check-ins and yeah, set deck. Um, yeah, I thought that was so great. Uh, so now that you, you know, you, you've definitely got um, a lot of producing skills under your belt. And like I said, I've seen you work and it's amazing. I think you've really built up a great relationship with people. I mean, I, you know, it's nice that you have those folks you can go to to bring in. And I know I've been lucky enough to work with you and I've appreciated the teaching uh, mentality because it gave me opportunities, you know, to do stills photography, uh, you know, like, and, you know, just work on, you know, work behind the scenes and just kind of see how the, you know, the cake gets made. <laughs> so worked, I, I loved working with you. You were my first AD for a hot minute there when we. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. I got to first AD on a feature. Um, it was amazing. I loved it. It was so great. wondered how you guys came up with your production company name. So the name actually, Patrick Perez Vidaudi, my husband, he had this name that he was kind of working with um, before I was in the picture. And his philosophy is called, you know, it's Migrant Filmworks Productions. In the beginning, I, I was a little, I guess I was a little uncomfortable that it would be that we would be pigeonholed or whatnot. But he, his philosophy is that because it's indie, we can migrate here, we can migrate there, we can, we're very mobile. We're not like our studio is mobile. Our, we migrate to here, like we're migrating to San Antonio for like, you know, a month and a half. And that's the concept behind it, that it can be anywhere. And, you, you know, like the gypsies in the past, you go with your caravan and you set up and, you know, you there's impact in the in the city and there's impact on the land and, and we create magic. I love it very much. Um, I also feel like, you know, it does tie in a little bit to some of the projects that you work on because your your parents, you know, immigrated and and a lot of your projects do seem to feature uh, folks that are people of color, even though they're not necessarily like Spanish speaking films, which I loved. It was, is I remember, um, describing when I was working on divorce bait, it was like, it's a rom-com, but you know, the, the leads are not white. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, which is like, why not? You know what I mean? Like it's the same thing I think happens in the Asian community. You know, it's like the Asian men want to be the sexy lead too, you know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah. And I think all that is um, really purposeful for, for Patrick and myself. As I mentioned, when I transferred from theater to television, one of the first things as an actress that I had to do was I had to like go on a huge diet I found out that size six was like the, you know, maximum and then anything under that. And then also the, the parts that I was being offered, you know, were very cliche, very generic, you know, and, and like I grew up again, like assimilated. I grew up watching the Cosby show and I always wanted to to see people of color, like becoming characters like the Huxtables where, you know, there was a doctor and like Patrick had a, has an MFA and. Um, we have so many people that are Latinos, that are Asian, that are, you know, not non-Anglo who, who uh, are all, you know, are, are, they're not all drug dealers. We're not all whores, <laughs> you know, we're not all maids. And so there is room for, for everyone, but we wanted to portray characters that are in our world, right? So with, in other words, it was very purposeful written in 2016. And in 2016 is when Donald Trump was like saying 
all kinds of nonsense about Mexicans specifically. And I am Mexican-American born uh, here, but have Mexican parents and everything that he's spewing out and all the hate that and the backlash really, in other words, was written in opposition of that. When you watch it, you go and you, in Mexico, there's a gorgeous winery and there's, there's chefs and there's the woman who owns the, the winery is uh, Latina as well. And, and these are all characters that are inspired by real life. Yeah, it's very purposeful, very. Every single one of our films has diversity. And it's not to say that every single one of our films is Latino, like Divorce Bait was very eclectic. You know, um, that was a comedy. It's a raunch comedy. And it, it starred um, a woman who is Latina. And um, there were Asians and there there was Italians. There were Black. It was oh, I like, think you might have covered the gamut. And <laughs> there was a, it was a really... Um, it was a really fun cast. And then plus you had these scenes that just involved lots of people. And it was just, uh, I think it was very like real slice of life, Los Angeles. Right. And, mm -hmm. and more in particular, it's, you know, in Porter Ranch or the Valley. They're universal stories, you know, like Divorce Spade is about a happily married woman who posts on social media that she and her husband are getting a divorce just to see which one of her friends is going to reach out to hook up with her husband. That has completely anybody can connect. You know? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great concept. Our choices to write for me to write um, characters who happen to be Latino or happen to be Asian, etc., is purposeful, and that, but it is very universal. They're universal themes, and that everybody can connect to. And it is just really to um, to show the world, and and specifically the United States, I think, because. Um, uh, it seems to me like race is very much on the forefront when someone meets someone, it races the thing. And so I want, we want to put a diverse diversity in, of images in front of the cameras. You know, we're not negating that we all have some drug dealers, you know, in, in right, right. exactly. Like, uh, drug dealers come in every color, <laughs> every color, every country, you know, so um, <laughs> you know, it's funny is um, there's a new show out. I think it's uh, Keegan Michael Key. Uh, it's called Reboot. Um, I can't remember what streaming it's on, but we just we only just started watching because what what happens at night is, you know, Keith goes to bed early. Like he gets up early and he does like all the early morning stuff, and then I do all the late night stuff. You know, because my my daughter has type one diabetes, so I'm always like sneaking in her room at like midnight and checking her and stuff. So wow. we we divide and conquer here. And um, so we only watched the first part of this because we both loved it so much that like he has now said, I can't watch it without him. So it's going to be uh, like a family viewing show. Yeah, yeah. And do you guys, I don't know if you guys ever do that, but like, cause I will just sit and like binge certain programs. Um, like I actually am watching Ugly Betty. I never watched it when it first came out. Oh. And I, which is speaking of, you know, representation, that show is amazing for that. It was so, 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 so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I love every minute of it. And then, um, but like we just started watching reboot and in one of the opening things, I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody, but, uh, Keegan Michael Key is showing like, uh, like back when he first auditioned, he was auditioning, you know, uh, for some show. And of course, like, you know, he's the African-American guy with the do rag and like the tats and the whatever. And he's got to be stupid and he's drug dealing and whatever. And then he's like doing the thug voice. And then he's like, you know, actually guys, I had this idea. What if we had, you know, and it's hilarious because I hear this all the time and it's like, why, why are we still doing this? 
uh, people are smarter than this. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I just recently watched a, um, I'm going to leave the names out of it, but I watched a movie about Latinos and it was like a regurgitation of every stereotype that we all hear. Like it was the whore, the immigrant wanting to go to America because it was the savior. It was then that she ran across, uh, Cholos and the Narcos. It was like everything. And it wasn't a Latino writer or director. It was not, it wasn't, thank God. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it wasn't either, but it's kind of like, you know, shame on you. Like it's 2022, like, you know, there's so many wonderful stories. Like there's so many rich characters. Like why, why are we doing that? Oh, it bothers me so much. Anyway, yeah. I, I I know. I, so I see like, you know, you're doing that. What I loved too about like, in other words, in divorce bait, like there was like a little bit of, you know, Spanish language thrown in, but it's not enough that you need to really know Spanish because it's all contextual or like that you really need subtitles or anything. But because, um, you know, you could write in Spanish and Netflix now has, I mean, gosh, if you go on Netflix, every other movie is a subtitled movie. I mean, I just watched something from like Sweden the other day. You know? So so I'm just wondering if now that they're so common on Netflix, would you consider writing a Spanish language film or are you more about keeping representation in American films? I think I'm focused on American Latino. If I had an opportunity to write and I, and honestly, and in other words, there are segments that are in Spanish, but it doesn't feel like it, I think, because of the way that we've handled it. The short answer is like, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but my focus is really American Latino in English. I think that's great. So um, I noticed you also really focus on female, like amazing, strong, smart female characters. And yeah, sometimes they're really funny too. Like we were in a writing group a while back and I read some of your scenes that are hilarious. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. um, I think that that's purposeful too. And almost unconscious really, (laughs) because Again, like when Sex in the City was first out, I really, really loved the dynamic between the women and, the, and hearing what they talked about, you know, like um, expressing themselves and, um, and exploring sexuality, etc. And then I always thought like, dude, if I did that, like all the Catholic guilt is what really like holds me back <laughs> and really, uh, you know, so that's what, that's what, that's what the Latino version would be like all the Catholic guilt that goes with all the fun. Um, so, <laughs> that's like Jane, the Virgin too, right? Like that was all that <laughs> Catholic guilt. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I just want to see more characters like my friends, and myself, you know, any of the strong women that are, that have been in my life, I just want to see the more of those images out there because they are badass. They they are like strong, and they are some of them are now single moms, you know, and they're still killing it, like buying property on their own, and I just kind of comes out, I, I you know, that I want to see them. So I write about stories about absurdities, you know, or. And a comedy is really comes out. You had asked me before, but I think that Monica Palacios, who is a mentor and is a, now a dear friend, in, yeah, I went to UCLA and she had this uh, class called Comedy and Cultura. And she made us look at tragedy because I think like growing up, the one thing that our grandmothers watched, our mothers watched were telenovelas, which were so dramatic, so over the top dramatic. 
And that I think that she wanted us to look at our drama and the trauma and the tragedy in our lives, but look at it through the spectrum of comedy. And when I did that, I, it was like, it was so healing, number one, to deal with like some of the topics that, you know, impact your life. And then honestly, it really inspired me to continue to write comedy. Whereas like now I really, I gravitate towards it to the degree that if like Patrick and I are writing something and it's a drama or whatever, he'll just say, no, no, don't put comedy in there. They don't need it. But I, I really, I really gravitate towards it and I love it. Yeah, it's a good way to heal. And it's also like a good way to bring people together. We're like some of the dramas, uh, you know, especially like I'm thinking back to the after school special stuff, you know, they're just so hitting you over the head with a message that sometimes the dramas can be melodramatic. But if there's some comedy in there, it gives you a release and it also lets everybody laugh for a moment and it kind of connects right. you. And, you know, it just seems like a safer space to go into. Maybe you're going to learn something, but you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, since we're kind of talking about representation and there's a lot out there right now about Black Ariel. So I don't know. Have you seen any of the clips of that yet? You're the first one to tell me that Black Ariel exists. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. I think it's totally in line with what we're doing, this movement. I mean, we finally have a little bit more presence as Latinos. And now we're being pushed a little bit more like, where are our Afro Latinos? You know, like, so you're just, you know, you're constantly checking yourself to make sure that their representation is there. It's not about checking a box. Somebody made that comment to me one time and I just, I, ugh. anyway, it's not about that. It is really wonderful that our, our, our daughters, our sons, that they get to see diversity, that they get to see people who are different from them. My daughter, uh, Valentina, she's now 11. It's been interesting to watch her growing up. And for example, like she has always gone out and chosen a Barbie that is brown. Also will order on Amazon the Barbie that's in the wheelchair. And I know that we've been, you know, constantly and consciously providing a home that is safe. If they feel like they like someone of the same sex, this is okay. You know, we've had these conversations mm -hmm. which are very different from when, you know, I was growing up. And so it's been really wonderful. And Ganto did a wonderful job with Adasa. Oh, I love that film. So good. Yeah, my daughter loves it. And um, so it doesn't surprise me. You know, Disney mm -hmm. is actually making huge strides to, do, to, to correct many years of lack of representation. So it, I don't know what the hubbub is. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know if there's- Oh, you know, there. there's always some hubbub. People just like, it, no matter what happens, you're always going to get people- being obnoxious. But um, I loved it. I, I, if you can, you should look up some of these reaction videos. Like people have compiled these like little girls and grownups. I mean, like everybody being like, oh, the new Ariel movie. Like, what? She's black, mommy. You know, like she's like, and like, I'm crying. Like my daughter's crying. Like we're all so happy. <laughs> and then, and, and oh, I wanted to say, God. yeah, it's just like, uh, I mean, and it's like, why not? I mean, for first of all, I mean, it's a mermaid. Like who knows what color a mermaid is? Like they can like, just like, of course she's black. I mean, oh, I love it so much. And it's beautiful. Like, I don't know you should watch some of the little clips. It's, I it's will. gorgeous. I can't um, wait to talk to my daughter about it. Yeah. And then, you know, for Encanto, this is the thing I think that Disney is on to here is my white daughter 
loves Encanto. She loves it. She learned every word. She felt connected to the main character. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just makes sense. And I think having this representation, it's, it's definitely very important for the people who are getting uh, representation that have been left out of that before, but it's also important for the other people to see it too, because, you know, my daughter, you know, she picks out um, these rainbow high dolls and she has, she wants all of the different girls, no matter what color they are, you know, and I think it's important because um, she's going to grow up at least in our house where, yeah, like everybody's welcome here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we all have to stop that with the racism and all that. I just like, stop, stop, stop. Mm -hmm. And I, so it makes me happy to hear it. I, you're the first person I hear it from, and I'm going to go out and, and, and check it out. I've been in a, in a, in a little bubble because <laughs> the pre-production this. bubble. <laughs> yeah, it's bananas. Um, well, cool. Well, um, I also want to, you know, talking about, uh, you know, Actually, I guess I have one more writing question and then we can kind of move yeah. on to like your current, your current projects. But um, so you have had the opportunity to both write your own, like write, produce and get your own, you know, ideas made, but you also sometimes get contracted out by people to write their ideas. So I just wondered yeah. if you could talk a little bit about what, you know, what you prefer or what is it like and like, how long does it take you, you know, if somebody you know, wants you to write their feature because you talk to people and some people are like, I, that movie took me 14 years to write. But if you're getting like contracted, you kind of have to be much faster than that, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I kind of want to say that I'm a fast writer. I actually really like adapting or working with someone. Um, the Writers Guild really has solved so many issues of credit and who gets credit, etc. And so everybody gets credit for this, the creation of the story and being contracted out. Yeah. Like it just really depends on what the movie is. Right. So for example, I'm being hired to adapt a book. I'm probably going to use more of the process of like, in other words, because in other words was loosely based on a real story. And so I went, uh, and I, uh, I went to San Diego and I interviewed the woman who was the inspiration for the movie. And then it was like traveling to Valle de Guadalupe, which is in Baja. Um, So you can't take too long. And then you're only really getting paid. Well, you're getting paid good money. By the way, my father was wrong. You you actually can make a living as a writer and get paid a decent wage. (laughs) So he was wrong. Um, Get paid a certain amount. So you don't want to take too long because at the end of the day, you don't want to take 10 years to write a script because you're making like way less than minimum wage. So, (laughs) you know, I would say when there's a concept or whatever from beginning to end, maybe six months at the most, you're fleshing it out and you're doing readings. And so I actually divorced bait. I wrote that in about two weeks. What? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was like our business partner back then was like, I want to write a movie. I need to invest some money. I need to write off. We're like, okay. <laughs> so he's like, here's the seed of this idea. And so I went and listened to it. Then I went away. And like two weeks later, I had a script, like a first draft. And it wow. was pretty strong. And then I would say from there, um, I probably did two more polishes and we started shooting it. Wow. That's amazing. 
Sounds like you you like doing both, Ben, writing your own ideas and also working with other folks. So that's very cool. I think um, for me, I haven't had that. I haven't ever been hired by someone else to write their idea. So I think it would be an interesting challenge. Yeah, it's fun. I like listening to other people's stories. Like even I had an opportunity to do reality television on the Spanish version of The Voice, La Voz. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, I was... Uh, and with that, I had to interview close to 20 people and listen to their stories. And then from there, I had to quickly write what they were going to focus on. And, and that I really loved, you know, so I love taking their story and, you know, I use like structure to write. I really, really dig it. So I also write, like I like writing my own. Well, when you don't have that deadline, like I think that having the, hey, we need to get this shot in, you know, two months, that helps <laughs> get yeah. things finished. Because otherwise, you know, things are never finished. You know, you're never done. You're always rewriting. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, did you end up going to school for writing? Well, I was an English lit major at UCLA. Again, like I really had my father's voice, like you can't make money as a writer. So I was law school bound. Yeah, I was going to take a year was that what it was going to happen? No, the last year of UCLA, I met a musician who was actually making a living as a musician, having gone to school, etc. And it really kind of blew my world apart, my law school days. And so I kind of just took a moment and I abandoned the idea. And then I was just kind of like lost because I had to commit to being an artist. And that's really, really hard. Like mm -hmm. the first the first time I could call myself a writer or I got paid for my writing was just a monumental moment for myself. You know, I still have the canceled check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have the check for the first time something I did was optioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's monumental, you know, and it means yeah. something. So you've been told not to be a writer for so long. Yeah. Happy that to have somebody say it or have somebody like, validate yeah. you is uh yeah it br I brought tears to my eyes so that's amazing well so so what what did you do since you didn't really go to school for it you must have did you do workshops did you just jump right in um writing groups accountability partners anything like that specifically for television when I did want to write I uh got a book um I went online a friend of mine I remember we were trying to write something and we took it was Sex in the City-esque. So we actually watched the episode and we wrote down everything that happened, like a summary of every scene. And we broke it down. So we analyzed that. And then I, and then I took that and I've done that with a couple scripts. And then, um, but the biggest, biggest, I think, leap for me, and I actually have it here, is this book right here, Save the Cat. Oh, and I love this book. Yes. On page 70, the structure even to this day, even as in, you know, I will forever be falling back on it and the set pieces and all that. And when no, I, I love that book, that book is really great because um, I know there's some controversy about it, right? Because it basically says, oh, if you're writing this, then these are the beats you need to hit. But like, you know, the great thing about rules is you can break rules, but it yeah. is kind of nice to have this structure to work from. 
And it has helped me too, because I'll tend to like let act one run on way too long or, or like I'll look at the book and I'll, I'll think, oh my gosh, you know what, thematically, it would make more sense if this happened. And just, I think taking a step away from it and looking at a book like Save the Cat or, you know, another resource like that is like amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the internet really has a lot for like, I think the biggest thing is structure. Like some of the issues that people have sometimes, sometimes they're just, they're way more, but like, if it's not landing in there, that's sometimes where we could get lost. Like you're saying, it's like a map, right? It's yeah, a map. Yeah. I don't go anywhere like without a map. I don't go anywhere without knowing where I'm going. Like, why would you do that with writing? You know, ask directions, get the book. <laughs> I noticed on your website, um, uh, migrantfilmworks.com, that you've got a new film that you're working on as a producer called The Answer to My Prayer. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I am so excited to, to shoot this. I'm just a producer on this. And the writer is Nancy de los Santos. And Nancy de los Santos was associate producer on the movie Selena with J-Lo back, um, I think, about 20 years ago. And they shot it in San Antonio. And um, I, you know, around that time when she was producing, um, associate producing Selena and then other projects, Mi Familia, I had been hearing about Nancy and respected her and heard about her a lot in our community. And so along the way, my career finally caught up to her. And so she, through Facebook, Facebook is really a one, social media is a wonderful way to keep connected and telling people what you're doing. Um, she kept seeing that in other words, and then, and then, uh, divorce bait, she saw that I was directing free lunch. She just was like, how is this girl getting her money for her films? You know, <laughs> so, uh, she had always associate produced. She had never produced her own thing, but she had a romantic comedy. It's kind of a girlmance and a romantic comedy because it is a, about a, a friendship with these three girls and who recite an ancient prayer um, that will bring them love and all sorts of chaos happens and the wrong guy goes to the wrong girl and there's all these shenanigans in between. And when she approached me, I had to say, yes, I wanted to work with her. I had been in her shoes where somebody has come to me with their dream project. I didn't want to say no, you know, I wanted to work with her. I wanted to help her realize her dream. And, um, she has such an amazing story behind it where there's like a whole army of people ready to to help her and she just didn't know how to put the pieces together it was she was very cute we have we always have a big laugh it happened at the bob's bob's big boy in toluca lake and <laughs> i've been there i've been to that bob's <laughs> i was like the only one left i think i don't i've never seen one since i was a kid so she just she's just telling me like they've been working on this for a while and i have this person i have that person she she's like i've saved my money during covid and she had so she had her chunk of change she had this and then she opens up this like notepad and she says to me like can you tell me how to produce my film and she turns to her notepad and is ready to write it down and, <laughs> and i'm just like where do i begin so i just reached over <laughs> i grabbed her hand and i said Nancy, do you want me to produce your movie? And she's like, yes, and we both were crying. <laughs> but she's a force of nature, man. She just has so many people behind her. She's super sharp and smart and 
And yeah, so well, I looked her up, um, you know, so it looks like she got her start producing like Siskel and Ebert's at the movies. Yes. Which and it yes. won a couple Emmys while she was, you know, working with them. And, um, you know, she also uh, did um, worked on Selena and My Family, Me Familia. And there's a whole bunch of other projects and things that she's worked on. Uh, she's got, you know, pretty amazing career. It doesn't surprise me that she's built up a great network for that. Yeah, yeah she looks she looks great. And the, the log line for this film, I wrote it down because I love um, sort of a supernatural realism. That's kind of what I'm putting it in, even though I know it's more like prayer. You know? No, I love but, it. I love but um, it's uh, three single girlfriends recite an ancient prayer in hopes of finding true love. But the answer to their prayer is more than they bargained for. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it looks great. And I love that it's in San Antonio. I mean, uh, you know, not very many films are set there and it is beautiful. So um, I yeah. think this is really like going to come together. Yeah, we have we have some really amazing people behind this. Eileen Cret, Roberto Trevino. And so, you know, uh, Luis Fonsi, who is a platinum award winning Grammy artist, uh, who is the writer and singer of Despacito is the romantic lead. And we just signed Vanessa Vasquez, who was in our In Divorce space. Oh, I love her. He's going to be the lead opposite Luis Fonsi. Um, and it's just, uh, I should have sent you a picture to have both of their, their images up because it's hot. <laughs> They're just hot. They're just, <laughs> it's a wrong time, you know? And so it's super cute. And, and he is, uh, he's writing a song to sing in the movie. And, you know, and it's really interesting, Aaron, that even though it's, it's been favors, right? Because this is still an indie project. We are still hustling and we are still pulling in favors. And Patrick and I and Nancy have been doing this on, on our own with regards to fundraising. We were able to raise enough money to go that, that triggered us to be greenlit. And so it's been an adventure, you know, and hopefully one day I will, we will get out of the low budget indie, not indie. I like the indie because then you get to control things, but maybe just a little more money. To a little more money. Play. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah. it makes you be so much more creative and mm -hmm. San Antonio doesn't really have an, uh, a lot of the, uh, like night Hollywood, you know, a lot of the, the infrastructure. Um, so there aren't like all of the filmmaking you know, crews and teams and rental and all of that, right. probably but how they are treating us, how everybody is like rolling out the red carpet, helping us here, helping us there. And honestly, like we were supposed to only shoot eight days in San Antonio. And then we were going to go to New Mexico because of tax credits. That's a mm -hmm. whole other world. That was a way to get money back to our investors. But we get there and they're really like, what do we have to do for you guys to stay here? What do we do? And so we worked something out and it's really like, it's not just the, the, the commission has been just great in the sense of like, we'll help you how we can help you. But it's just, I'm telling you this army that Nancy has behind her. I love hearing this because like, this is the spirit of filmmaking, right? I mean, it really is a community effort and you need all of these pieces to come together. And then, you know, you make everything and then you get to the point where you have to sell it. Like I know for a divorce bait, you had, you know, the investor up front and, you know, you made this whole film not actually knowing where it was going to sell. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, when we first did our first movie, uh, Lola's Love Shack, we didn't have a sales rep. We did it ourselves and, <laughs> and screwed it up. Right. But 
by now, um, our, our, uh, our business partner back then, he had a sales rep who was now working with him. And so Tamara Nagahiro, she was the one who took the project out. And I got to tell you, in indie filmmaking, the one thing we learned is that you get one name actor to be able to sell your project. Well, this was the investor didn't care about having a name actor. He just wanted to make a movie in 2020, the year of COVID. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he just wanted to make a movie. And you were like it. one of five movies that was shooting at the time, like in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So just to say that um, we didn't have a, a star, anyone who had like a huge mm-hmm. presence. I mean, Vanessa uh, had done some things. I know she had, she had done up. some things, but for example, like Chris Catan really opened up the doors uh, in, in other words, right. uh, for us, right? Like people were willing People know to his talk. name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one was really uh, about the production value, the acting, the actors were amazing. Vanessa is, is incredible. Justin Birdie is incredible. Eric Fellows and um, Bill Blush, who I had been wanting to work with for many years and just incredible. And they were, for all intents and purposes, unknowns, you know, whatever. They've done a few things. There was a bidding war, you know, between two companies to try to get this movie. And it, and Samuel Goldwyn won. And we're so proud and so excited. You know, that's great. So that means it's going to be coming out soon. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, I heard December of this year. Oh, that's so exciting. Wow. That's going to be here pretty, pretty quickly. So I I was lucky enough to see it at a private screening in Los Angeles, which was amazing. And I can tell you, it looks beautiful. Uh, I think one of the benefits of doing this genre is, you know, you don't have to uh, computer generate a, a alien spaceship, you know, <laughs> right? So you yes. know, you just have like real people in real locations, and yeah. Uh, but boy, yeah. it looks it really is beautiful. So thanks. Well, you were a part of it, so we we made a good movie. Yes, it was really fun. Um, well, you kind of already did your shout out when you mentioned uh, Monica Palacios. And usually at the end, I kind of I like to just be you know grateful for things out there that are you know things that help other people, things that are going well. So um, I actually wanted to shout out the Script Lab. It's a website where um, I'm on, I get their newsletter and sometimes, you know, they're sending you links to scripts. Like I just read Jaws. So I know, I mean, I've seen everybody's seen the movie, but like reading the script was just, it was incredible. It was fascinating. Um, I like some of the lines you were like, oh, that line was totally ad-libbed. Like, you know, we need a bigger boat, you know, those kinds of things. So yeah, it was really cool. So I just wanted to shout out the Script Lab. Anybody that's not familiar with them, um, it's a great website. I just wanted to, you know, thank Christina again for coming on the show. Like, obviously, you've heard how talented uh, she is in every area of film yeah. film production, and uh, we're we're looking forward to uh, keeping up with you. So where can people do that? How can people uh, see what you're up to and when your your films are coming out? Well, on Instagram, it's uh, I am Christina Nava. There's no H in my name, as you can see. Um, and then on Facebook, I just recently changed it to the same thing. Um, on Facebook, I am Christina Nava. So I don't really do Twitter, but I believe it's right now. W R I T E N O W. <laughs> well, that's very cool. I, I think it's actually smart to have it be the same in multiple places because then you're just easier to track down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can go to IMDb Pro always too. I think you're on there, so you could 
contractor yes. through her manager. Yeah. So, well, thank you again so much. I really had fun talking to you. And, Thanks, Sarah. Um, Thanks for inviting me. Good luck me. on your, good luck oh, on your. Um, I want to say this is just so pro. So I'm really proud of you. Congratulations. Thank you. I know uh, we were stepping it up here with the live video feed. So it, it's added an extra level of fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and I can't wait to um, hear more about the answer to my prayer. So good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Well, that's our show. We hope you loved it. If you did, make sure you're subscribed, tell your friends about it, and why not write us a review? If you know someone that would make a great guest on our show, drop us a line. You can find us on Instagram at ThunderTally or go to our website, ThunderTally.com. This show was produced by Bex Francis, edited by me, Aaron Newmeyer. The music was performed and written by Dylan Newmeyer. And our sponsor is Filmcraft LA, so make sure you go check them out. This has been a ThunderTally Media production.